Hey, good morning everyone. I'm John Duke and I'm your host for Leadership Breakfast. Why? Because breakfast has been called the most important meal of the day. And I want this podcast to be 20 minutes to fuel and feed your leadership motor. To get it running for the day or the week. And today I want to discuss a leadership philosophy and operational approach called Extreme Ownership. And it's authored by a U.S. Navy SEAL, I should say retired U.S. Navy SEAL that you've heard me reference maybe once or twice on previous podcasts, Jocko Willink, W-I-L-L-I-N-K. And he co-authored a book entitled Extreme Ownership with Leif Babin, who was a fellow SEAL that served under Jocko's command for Task Unit Bruiser. And as I said, it comes from the book entitled Extreme Ownership. And let me tell you more about Jocko Willink. He's a retired U.S. Navy SEAL officer, which I mentioned, and he co-authored the New York Times bestselling book, Extreme Ownership, How Navy SEALs Lead and Win. He also authored another book with Leif called Dichotomy of Leadership. He is the host of top-rated Jocko podcast. If you haven't listened to that, you should look for that. It's excellent. And he's co-founder of Echelon Front, a leadership consulting company that he started, where he serves as the chief executive officer. He's also a leadership instructor for Echelon Front. He's a speaker and strategic advisor. Jocko spent 20 years in the SEAL teams, starting as an enlisted SEAL and rising through the ranks to become a SEAL officer. He was commander of SEAL Team 3's Task Unit Bruiser during the Battle of Ramadi. Task Unit Bruiser became the most highly decorated special ops unit of the Iraq War. Jocko returned from Iraq to serve as officer in charge of training for all West Coast SEAL teams. There, he spearheaded the development of leadership training and personally instructed and mentored the next generation of SEAL leaders who have continued to perform with great success on the battlefield. Upon returning from the Navy, Jocko co-founded Echelon Front, a premier leadership consulting company where he teaches the leadership principles he learned on the battlefield to help others lead and win. And that's a great point to emphasize the fact that the military has been stressing, I would say maybe in the last 10 years. I mean, it's always been, even back to World War II, they were writing field manuals in real time during battle on the importance of leadership. And leadership has been described as the most critical aspect to winning on the battlefield and achieving the team's mission. So let me go back to a a little bit of how I learned about extreme ownership, right? My wife got me the book back around the beginning of 2017, and it came at a time when I was transitioning into an expanded role. I was going to be National Sales Director of North America Consumer Professional. At that time, professional selling, it actually was going to include Canada. And my span of strategic and tactical responsibility was more than doubling in terms of scope and control. And as I started to read Jocko's book, Extreme Ownership, there was a line 
about being a leader that I will never forget because it was quite timely for change that I was going through. And that line is, I had nothing to prove, yet everything to prove. And it was the perfect response or perspective that I needed to hear in response to some of the emotions I was experiencing as an existing leader with 25 years of experience under my belt. And so you know you have a set of accomplishments, a track record, a group of people who know what you're about and what you've demonstrated as a leader. But now you're going into essentially uh, starting from a zero base with three new groups of people all being brought together under one team, one selling organization. And they all come to the team with their own set of existing attitudes, behaviors, their own track record, their own perceptions. Uh, Essentially, they all have a subculture that they bring with them entering this newly formulated organization, this one team. And they may also be dealing with some significant change that has shifted them under your leadership. And that can sometimes be uh, a challenge and be something that they're wrestling with emotionally that may put up a, a barrier or a limitation to their acceptance. So certainly a challenge for any leader. But more importantly, it reflects another great quote by Jocko Willing, and that sums up the extreme ownership mindset. And that quote is, it's all on you as the leader, but not about you. It doesn't matter what I walk in with in terms of taking over the care and strategic and tactical execution. All that matters is what I do right from this point on as a leader once I'm given that position and responsibility. I still have my past track record, my accomplishments, and my past relationships, but this is a new leadership responsibility and a new team. And if I've accepted the responsibility of the leadership position, then essentially I have everything to prove. And I think anyone who's a competitor and has the confidence to bet on themselves can relate to taking on that challenge. Yes, you have a track record and you have a set of accomplishments, but really, you want to rise up to the new challenge, to the new challenge in front of you. And it starts from a a zero base. It starts completely over as a leader with the trust that you have to build and that confidence uh, and the expertise you have to demonstrate to this new team. So, So now let me back up and see if I can better try and describe and give some real-life examples outside the military because let me be clear, I don't have a military background. Uh, I wish I did, but I didn't serve in the military. But I do have a lot of experience with Echelon Front and their organization. We were fortunate enough to have some of Jocko's staff at Echelon Front, like J.P. Donnell, who was a uh, kind of bookend sniper on his team with Chris Kyle, the the, the uh, sniper portrayed in the book, American Sniper in the movie. Um, I attended one of Echelon Front's uh, Muster, which is a two-day premier leadership conference. We've had other people from Echelon Front speak to our sales team, whether it be at a national meeting. JP spoke at a national meeting. Dave Burke spoke to our management team during COVID for a virtual session as part of 
re-energizing and recommitting the team during a time when everyone was facing challenges to how we do our work, going down a path that we had never been exposed to before as leaders in 2020 with the quarantine, quarantine and, and the pandemic. And um, we've had team members um, uh, help us with strategic launch meetings in 2020. And I also am a member of Echelon Front Online, EF Online. If you're interested in looking that up, you can join it. There's a monthly fee. And then with that, each week, there's three live Zoom sessions where you get to hear Jocko or Leif or JP or Dave talk about components and examples of extreme ownership, of good leadership, of the four laws of combat that they use. But more importantly, if you're participating, you get to ask questions and submit questions about real-time challenges you're having with your team, with your leadership opportunities, and they get answered by Jocko and his team. So let me see if I can describe extreme ownership by giving some personal examples and some stories of what it might sound like and what it might look like as a leader. And make no mistake, it's it's a it raises the bar on your own accountability inside yourself as a leader, as the first place that you look. And so but it is so worth raising the bar to become a great leader and it's rewarding and fulfilling and the proof is in the outcomes and certainly the experience that Jocko had with his Navy SEAL team that directly applies to the commercial sector and leadership and coaching. So I'm going to give an example. I mentioned this in some of the previous podcasts that I, when I retired, I also joined the volunteer fire department. I'm early in my learning curve and this summer I'm going through firefighter one official school, but I still participate in all the, the, the calls in Doylestown. But every week or so, um, we do training. Every week we do some sort of training, but this happened to be what they call a structural burn. And maybe you've gone by uh, like a cement building that's three floors high, and you can see some of the smoke stains on the outside of it. And it's typically at a uh, Bucks County. This happened to be a Bucks County Fire School. We went through structural burn training where they are burning uh, pallets and different combustible elements on the different floors and you're you're treating it just like you would going into a, a home fire or office complex it might be in the basement it might be second floor it might be first floor whatever it is and there's four person teams so we were on deck and we we're getting ready to go in there and fight a live fire and there's four people there's one person working the what they call the tip of the hose and there's one person that's back up behind them helping them because 120 pound of pressure uh, hose can knock you down if you're not holding it right and if you're not sturdy or it moves or you shift you lose your footing that person also might go in and clear a room and make sure there's no victims in there there's no people in there then you have a third person who's helping to get the hose line up a stairwell and then you have me because i'm the newest person i'm outside and I'm pulling the hose from the hydrant or from the truck and making sure there's enough slack in the line that they can pull it freely and get to where they need to get on the second floor. We're getting ready to, to get started to, to go in there. We're on deck. And one of the instructors comes over from across the parking lot and says, hey, you guys need to realize you're going in to fight a live fire. Everybody's got to be buttoned up and everybody's got to have full gear on to the, to the proper specs to go in and, and deal with a live burning fire. And some people didn't have their upper neck flap like Velcroed across to make sure none of their neck 
and skin was exposed. I'm new, so I did have mine, but the the reaction to our team leader, and we didn't have a formal captain in our four-person group, it could go two different ways, right? And the first one would not be extreme ownership, where you go, ah, oh, it's at the fire school, you know, they're going by the book, don't worry about it, we knew what we were doing, I know before we go in there, you guys would button up, or it could be that the person looks at uh, some of the team members who didn't have their neck flap Velcro could say, what's up with you guys? You know you're supposed to have your gear squared away. Why did you do that? Come on, let's pay attention. Let's make sure we're following all the, the proper SOPs. And that sort of puts the blame on them. If you're exercising extreme ownership as a mindset and you're the leader, the first thing you say is, that's my bad. That's on me. I should have had you guys prepared. I should have told you everybody's got to have their gear squared away. We're going in to fight a live fire. There's no difference between this training and what we would face in a real life situation in someone's house. We got to be ready. We got to have our gear squared away. My fault. When we were in the truck and we were preparing and we were getting ready in the prep time and the workup, I didn't make it clear. I should have done a better job. If somebody didn't have their neck flap Velcro, that's on me. I got to point that out. I got to know what's going on. My bad. And I know some of you might be thinking extreme ownership. If, if the leader, if you're going to take responsibility for everything, um, that's too high of a hurdle. Sometimes people are going to make mistakes and I can't control it. That's not true. And I, and I feel like if you take that approach, I don't know anyone, if you've hired the right people on the team, right? So let's put that aside. Let's say you have the right people. If you listen to a leader take responsibility like that every time with everything, I can't help thinking that my reaction would be, that's on me. That's my bad. I didn't hear you. I wasn't ready. I didn't do a gear check, whatever. You know, I should have been checking everything. That's on me, boss. I, I It is going to cascade down. And if people are constantly hearing you take responsibility as the leader first for anything that goes wrong, I think you're going to establish a team that has its own uh, self-discipline, not through your authority or not through command and control, but because they want to do the right thing for you because you are constantly looking out for them. You are constantly taking responsibility and you are constantly trying to remind them that the executional excellence of the team resides on you. Now, we can talk later on uh, subsequent episodes around, well, well, the first thing it might take you to is, well, then I'm going to micromanage everything, right? I'm, if I'm responsible for everything, then I'm going to micromanage people. And that's not the case at all. You don't want to smother people. You want to empower people. But it's more about your mindset on everything that goes down with the team in terms of executional, strategic, tactical, whatever it is, you're taking responsibility. I'm going to read you right from the book. And it says, taking extreme ownership means that leaders are responsible for every action the people on their team make. It is as simple as that. So regardless of the reason a team member might fail, it is the leader's fault. A leader is responsible for everything a person on his or her team does. And even to the point where a leader will start thinking uh, in terms of preemptive ownership. So once they realize they're not going to blame anyone else or anything else, they will implement preemptive ownership. They will actually 
take ownership of things to prevent problems from unfolding in the first place. And special forces in the military is famous for that, having a plan B, a plan C, a plan D. And everything is in the preparation and understanding that there are things that are going to go wrong and what are your backup plans. So I hope that I've given a little bit of a foundational um, uh, example of extreme ownership and why it's so important. Make no mistake, it is a high bar, but I think it is worth it for sure. It's fulfilling as a leader and it's going to cascade down. And as I said, you're not going to have discipline and standards that you have to enforce by exerting command and control. It's going to create an atmosphere where everyone demonstrates extreme ownership for everything they are responsible for and every way that they can contribute to achieving the team's mission. It's well worth it. If you can, read the book Extreme Ownership. If you can listen to some of Jocko's podcasts, go for it. If you want to look into EF Online, I highly recommend it. Nothing has been more influential besides power of positive leadership that I talk about and that I teach on and train on. I don't think anything's been an additional piece uh, to being really influential uh, for how I have developed in the last four or five years when it comes to trying to be the best possible leader and being a student of leadership. Uh, extreme ownership is, a, is, a, is an outstanding mindset to follow. So I hope that this has given you some food for thought and introduced you to the concept of extreme ownership, and I will talk about it on future episodes. Thank you. Have a great day.